Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Um, my name's Megan, for those of you who might be here for the first time, and my husband carries the good-looking guy you saw on the stage earlier with the Slay My Name sweater on. It's a good one, babe. Uh, we're just excited that you're here today, and I'm excited about what God wants to do in this place and in this room. And um, before I jump into the message, I just want to encourage you, church. We really believe in building authentic relationships. And church, it it happens in circles, not in rows. And so one of the things that's a huge value to us here at the Movement Church is our connect groups. So connect groups are a place where you can get together with people who might be in the same age or stage of life. Or maybe it's a, it's a mixed group of people who are just passionate about the same thing. And our connect groups are going to start up again in January. I believe it's January 21st. And, and we're so excited for you to get to jump into that and to build some authentic relations, relationships as we grow in our relationship with Christ. But I just want to encourage you, there may be some people in the room this morning who actually have a, a passion to lead a connect group. And you know, you hear the word lead and you think you have to have all of the knowledge to be able to teach something amazing. And, and some of you in this room, you may have that knowledge. You may be an incredible teacher and this is a great opportunity for you to use that. But I just want to encourage you to, to say yes to leading a connect group. It's just saying, you know what, I'm passionate about gathering people together and growing in our relationships with one another and with God. And there's so many things you can do, whether it's opening the doors of your your home and pressing play on a video where someone else does the teaching and then you just talk about it or maybe you're super passionate about surfing and you want to have a surfing connect group I don't know why you'd want to do that in the winter when it's freezing but maybe you do and that's awesome whatever you're passionate about whatever you'd like to lead we just want to invite you if you're here and and maybe you're just thinking about leading a connect group would you do me a favor and text the word lead to that number on the screen you're not committing you're not signing in blood right now but what I'm asking you to do is to just take a moment, text the word lead. We'll send you some more information because we really do believe that this is a great place for relationships to be formed. And, and that's what church is all about, right? Relationships with one another, relationships with God. So I hope that you will plan to jump into a connect group and I hope that some of you will step up and, and lead one this semester because it's gonna be awesome. Hey, will you do me a favor? As we jump into the message today, would you just uh, bow your heads with me? We're gonna pray and invite God to do what he wants to do in this place. God, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather and to worship you. God, I thank you for every person who's in the room today. God, you know exactly what it took for them to get here. God, you know every situation that they're walking through in their life right now. And I just pray that you would lean in close today, that you would speak to each and every one of us individually so that we can hear your voice and do what you ask us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. That just means I agree. For those of you who are like, why do they always say amen? That's what it means. I agree. I'm with you in this. Hey, I love Christmas. Does anybody else love Christmas? I, 
I can tell some of you because some of you went all out with the Christmas sweaters and they're blinking, like on the front row right now. I'm, I'm just like mesmerized by the lights. Keep them on, they're great. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love every tradition. I mean, my family, we, we had our tree up, I think, two weeks before Thanksgiving. So judge me if you want to, but that's okay. I love Christmas. To me, like the song says, it really is the most wonderful time of the year. But it can also be the busiest. Am I right? It can also be that there are so many things to do at Christmas, and, and I sometimes get caught up with the checklist and the to-do list and all of the pressures that come with the holiday season, and maybe you can relate. I think we've got some images we're going to throw up on the screen, but Pinterest has made taking Christmas to a whole nother level, right? So the way that you decorate Christmas cookies, I mean, the kind of Christmas cookies you're expected to bring to a party, it is next level. The, the boxes that you're supposed to wrap with like the holly and the cinnamon sticks. Who does that? Some of you do that and you're amazing at it. It is not my gift. There's so much pressure to perform in these moments. And, and I'm telling you the, the checklist, the Christmas list of the 25 days of Christmas. And you see these things everywhere now on Instagram or Facebook. And it's like, if you want to make great memories with your family, then you will do all 25 days of Christmas. And you get to like, whatever today is. I can't even remember what day it is in December today. Somebody help me. The 17th, I'm like, you get to the 17th and you're like, I've missed 11 of the things I was supposed to do. Do I fit it all into one day or what? I don't know. And so there's all of the pressures of the things at Christmas. I mean, the elf on the shelf. I, the elf on the shelf, he, I love that guy. We have, a, we have a, an elf on the shelf who got married. His name is Good Luck Charlie Bucket, and this year he showed up with a wife. And um, that's awesome. And so I'm telling you, with the elf on the shelf, I, every morning I wake up with a little bit of anxiety. Like, where are they going to be next? I don't know. Right? Anybody with me? Okay. I'm telling you, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. But you can also feel the pressures and the busyness and the shopping. I mean, I think we saw a picture up there of the shopping mall. I called Carrie this year when I went to the mall, and I said, I can't do this anymore. Like, I love to shop. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I was like, I was over it. I went home and got on the computer and did my online Christmas shopping, and I'm still not done yet. And so there's so many things that we, we do to create the memories and the traditions and the celebrations of Christmas, and I love it. But before you know it, do you ever just find yourself sitting in the wrapping paper and the boxes and the bows and the tired family members and relatives and just wondering, like, did we make the most of that? I don't know. You know, I think this little scene from The Grinch That Stole Christmas with Cindy Lou Who says it best. Can you show that? We've got a snoozle phone for your brother Drew, and a snoozle phone for your brother Stu, a muncle for your uncle, a fan for your aunt, and a fanpa for your cousin Leon. So we just need Cindy. Cindy Lou. Oh. Hello, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Fred. Excuse me. Cindy Lou, honey. Dad? Yeah? Doesn't this seem like a bit much? This is what Christmas is all about. Can't you feel it? Merry Christmas! Thank you for coming. I mean, is she not right? Is isn't this all just a bit much? I think sometimes if we're not careful and we're not intentional, we really could lose sight of what Christmas is all about. 
not, not intentionally, just, just because of the busyness and the hustle and the bustle of it all, right? And so my challenge to us is as we're going into this Christmas, it's seven days away or maybe eight. Gavin might have been correcting me earlier. But, but we're a couple days away from Christmas. And as we're going into it, I just am wondering if we could get a little bit intentional about remembering what it's all about. And not just Christmas, as we're getting ready to go into the new year, could we be intentional about remembering what it's all about? And I think it's summed up in this promise that was given to us long ago. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. And this promise foretold the coming of Jesus, and it says this, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There's something so wonderfully simple about that, isn't there? There's something so wonderfully simple when we pause to remember what it's all about. And as we pick up today in the greatest story ever told, we pick up in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1, and you just saw the video that was on the screen. But the scripture reads this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius, my husband helped me with that name, when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Some versions say great with child, right? And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In, not end. <laughs> you know, we find this civilization in the time when Jesus was born that is much like ourselves. They're in the midst of chaos, in the midst of war, brutality, immorality, poverty. So many things are happening that have created chaos in this civilization. And people are looking for answers. And they settle on answers in a form of a political savior, so to speak, named Caesar Augustus. And he comes in and he brings peace. He defeats the enemies. And he brings this tremendous political and administrative skill. He also brings with him finances to back it and to support the Roman army so that they're able to do the things they need to do. And people are feeling satisfied by this political savior, completely unaware that they're actually in need of so much more. And you see, this authority that Caesar Augustus carried, it came at the demand of ultimate authority. So when we hear that this census went out for the people to be registered, it wasn't just for statistics, and it wasn't just for record keeping, but this was so that Caesar Augustus could tax the people accordingly. And the scripture tells us everyone went to be registered, each to their own town. So can you imagine this? 
It feels a lot like Christmas to me. People getting all of their belongings. They're going on a long trip. They're going home to the place where they were maybe born or where their families have lived for a long time. And so there's lots of people traveling and not just traveling when they get to their hometown. It's busy. There's chaos filling the air. People are having family meals with long lost relatives that they haven't talked to in their entire life or maybe just the past 20 years. Can anyone relate to that, right? And you're trying to have a conversation with these people that you hardly know and celebrate something amazing. And so I just imagine that at that time, when Joseph and Mary were going home to Bethlehem, it probably felt a little bit like Christmas might feel for you and me. Just the chaos and the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of what was happening in that town because everyone had to go back to their hometown. And so Joseph and Mary, they begin a journey and they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem which is an 80-mile journey on foot. Now, when I go for a run, sometimes I do two and a half miles. If I'm really, really pushing it, I might do three. And if I'm on a walk with Pastor Kerry, maybe five, maybe. They went 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and Mary is pregnant. The Bible says great with child. And some of you women in the room know what I'm talking about. When I was pregnant, I was great with child. I was huge. In fact, this boy in my youth ministry at the time, he said to me, he took a look at my belly one day and he was like, I can't ever imitate him. He's British and I do an awful accent, but I'm just going to do it for your sake. Are you ready? So he's like, Pastor Megan. That's not even British, but whatever. All right. He's like, oh, you're only five months. You're going to be huge. And I'm like, thank you, Alan. That makes me feel so great. I was great with child. And I just imagine, like, I already waddled like a duck. And I just imagine that Mary, probably, if she's great with child and she's riding on this donkey and it's, like, swaying from side to side and it's, it's just making the waddle even worse, right? So they travel 80 miles to get to Bethlehem. And when they get there, they begin going to find a place to stay. And, and they're knocking on the doors of these inns or motels or hotels, whatever you might call them today. And they're knocking on the doors. But listen, everyone has come. Everyone is there. The place is busy. It is packed. And every door they knock in, the answer is always, we're full. We're full. They were full of men and women and children and chaos filled the hallways. And so every innkeeper was like, we don't have any room. And they're closing the door. And I just wonder if people had known who this baby was, would they not have made room? Would they not have kicked somebody else out and created a space for Mary and Joseph to come in to have this child? I mean, if Caesar Augustus showed up, surely they would have done that. But here is Mary, great with child. And someone finally says, I don't have room in the inn, but I have this stable. Theologians believe the stable wasn't a shack like what we see displayed all the time, but it was more like a cave to shelter the animals from the wind and to keep them safe and corralled. And, and so this man, he said, I, I don't have room in the inn, but I do have this stable. And so he opens the doors of this stable for Mary and Joseph to come in. And can you just imagine a stable? I mean, really, get it in your head. It's not as beautiful as we think when we see the Christmas story or the nativity scenes, right? And so you picture a stable. It smelled so bad. I mean, have you ever been around a lot of cows? They stink. And sheep, I mean, you think they're going to be cute, but they're not. 
and they smell bad. And so there's probably dirt all over the floors, and there's not even a bed. There's just hay and a manger, but this is where there was room. It was a far from perfect environment, but it was the one place that there was room. And I just wonder, we have about seven days till Christmas, and I want to ask you a simple question. Have you made room for Jesus? Have you made room for Jesus? And I'm talking about more than just an hour and 15 minutes that you carve out to get your church fix on a Sunday morning. On whatever Sunday mornings you don't have the dance recitals or the relatives that invite you to brunch or the other demands that we have in the holiday season. I'm not talking about the nativity scene that sits on your table so you're reminded to explain it to your kids and tell them what the Christmas story is all about. I even told our team this morning, you know, sometimes we get busy with setting up church. I know some of you think you walk in and church just looks like this all the time. It's not how it happens. There's an army of men and women who get here at 545 in the morning to set it up and to create a space for people to encounter Jesus. But it's not just about that. Have you made room for Jesus? You know, every innkeeper that Mary and Joseph knocked on that door, every single one of them closed the door because the inn was too full. They were swamped with busyness, people yelling down the hallways, kids running up and down, doing what they do when they're staying in a hotel that's not their own house, right? They were swamped with busyness. Everything was full. And so every innkeeper closed the door because of the chaos and the busyness that was happening all around them. And I just wonder how often our lives don't get so full and so busy with all of the demands that are placed upon us, all of the the Christmas measurables that we think we're supposed to hit, all of the pressures and the things that, that we have just going on in our everyday lives. I just wonder, have you made room for Jesus? Or is your world too full? I mean, it's easy to justify, right? It's easy to justify with, okay, Pastor Megan, well, what would you ask me to change then? What would you want me to change? Do you want me to not go to the Christmas brunch with my relatives? Because I'll take you up on that, right? Some of you. <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to not make Christmas memories with my kids? Are you telling me that I shouldn't do all of the, the fun wrapping and the Christmas cookies? No. I'm just saying, have you made room for Jesus? You see, there's a, a preparation and an intentionality that goes into making room. Have any of you ever had guests come and stay at your house? I know in Southern California this is hard because we don't always have extra guest rooms. For me, I have to kick my 13-year-old out of her room so that I can make room for guests that are coming, right? And if you have a guest coming to your house, you're intentional about things, right? You wash the sheets. You make sure you lint rolls so the dog hair is not everywhere, don't you? Some of us do. You light the candles. You put fresh towels in their room so they have fresh towels to shower with. Some of you are super cute and you have little soaps and conditioners and shampoos. You, you put some preparation into making room for the guests that are coming to your house. There's an intentionality behind it. And you see, what I'm not saying is that to make room for Jesus in our life requires us to get everything together and perfect beforehand. In fact, I think the Christmas story shows us it's exactly opposite, right? The place where the Savior and King was born was in a stable that was a mess. It was dirty. It was smelly. It was far from perfect. But it was because somebody 
decided to open up the doors and make room. So making room for Jesus doesn't mean I've got to get everything right first. It doesn't mean I have to get my life in order first. He's happy for you to open the doors of your heart exactly where you are today. And I want to challenge us as a church. As we're preparing for Christmas, that's in just a few days, but more importantly, as we look ahead towards the new year, to 2018, you know, December 31st affords us this, this reset button that we get to hit. And many of us, we make New Year's resolutions and we, we carve out the calendar for the next year and we plan for the things that we want to accomplish and the family vacations and the extracurricular things we want our kids to be involved in. And for me, I'm looking at high schools for my daughter and there's things that we get prepared for and, and I'm just challenging you in that intentionality that we have. As we're going into Christmas, as we're getting to hit a reset button on our year, I want to challenge you to intentionally make room for Jesus. So how do I do that? Right? You know, there's a book in the Bible called the book of Ecclesiastes. And the author of this was Solomon. And he was known to be one of the wisest men in the world. And Solomon, as he wrote this book, is really just a pondering of the meaning of life. What is life all about in the first place, right? And as we get through the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, he kind of lands on this conclusion. And he says this, all has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God, revere and worship him, knowing that he is, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character. Hey, listen, I love this part, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to the inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun and the whole duty of every man. And let me add woman. The whole duty. This is it. This is it. This is what it's all about, to fear God and to worship him. So to fear God, what, what does that mean? Well, it's defined even in the scripture to fear God is this reverent worship. It's a, it's a picture of an understanding of who he is and a, and a reverent worship that follows. You know, making room for Jesus means I've got to begin to understand what it means to worship him. When you heard the story, the greatest story ever told and depicted here on the screen with our cute kids telling the story and, and all of that, you heard about the shepherds and how the shepherds were out doing what they did, guarding the sheep by night. And their lives were interrupted by these angels coming and telling them to go and see Jesus. And when they went to see Jesus and they got there, what did they immediately do? It says that they bowed down in reverence to him. This is an act of worship. And you know, as you think about this, I just want to challenge you. What does it mean to bow down? Does that mean that when I come to church, I should get on my knees? Well, no, that's not what it means. It's okay if you do, but it's not what it means. It's just this reverence. This honor that comes from changing my position. But even more than that, it's saying I'm slowing down. Have any of you ever gone to see a brand new baby? And you go to the hospital, and the mom has just had the baby, and we have the privilege of doing this as pastors all the time. And you walk into the hospital, and something changes in the atmosphere, right? As you're walking in, it's like you get quiet. 
because you're coming into an atmosphere where something special has just happened. And when we go into those hospital rooms, we don't barge in the door. We kind of tiptoe in and make sure it's okay, that we're not going to wake the baby. And we go in, and, and we don't just go in real quick and go, oh, they're cute, bye. Right? No, we go in, and time slows down. And time slows down, and we wash our hands and put that little baby in our arms, and most of the time I sit down, right, because I'm holding someone's child, and there's an awe that goes into that. There's something amazing about that. Maybe you can picture it, and really what the shepherds were doing is they were recognizing how to come to Jesus with this, with this awe, with this honor, with this worship, and they changed their posture. Things slowed down a little bit. And one of the ways that we worship God is with our time. It's changing our posture. It's not just walking through the motions. It's not just showing up at church on a Sunday morning. It's, it's honestly not just reading your Bible because the step reading plan for today says I need to do this. It's, it's creating room and intentionality to spend time with Jesus, to remember who he is. I mean, if you slow down, are you not just overwhelmed by the grace and the goodness of God? I can't tell you how many times I've teared up today just thinking about the goodness of God. There's this song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look forth in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's something reverent about slowing down our lives and being intentional with our time to worship Jesus. You know, the shepherds, what they did next? The shepherds worshiped Jesus with their actions. Luke chapter 2, verse 17 through 18 says, And when they saw it, they made known what had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You see, the shepherds, they didn't just go to see Jesus and then return to life as normal. They went out and they told everyone what had happened. They told everyone what they encountered when they met this Jesus. They told everybody. There was action that was associated with their worship. And my question is, are we making room for Jesus with our actions? Do the people who are in our world... The people we work with that we see every day, the neighbors that we wave at as we pull into a garage, the people that we drop our kids off to school with, do people know who Jesus is to you? Do people know your story? Do they know how Jesus has healed you? Do they know how he set you free? Do they know how he's brought you hope? Do they know that when you are walking through the greatest difficulty of your life, the biggest crisis that you ever faced, that the reason that you got through it was because Jesus gave you peace? Do they know? My question is, is are we making room for Jesus with our actions? You know, every person who ever encountered Jesus all had the same response. They all had this come and see mentality. Come and see the man who healed me. Come and see the one who gave me hope. Come and see the one who set me free. And our lives should resemble this as well, church. This room should be full of people who are going, I just want to know more. Because we are the ones who are going out and telling them, you've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. To worship Jesus, to make room for Jesus requires action. And then... In the Christmas story many of us are familiar with, we know that the wise men, they come to see Jesus. And we find this told in Matthew chapter 2. 
And when the wise men come to see Jesus, they come with gifts. They come bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we always wonder, why did they bring those things? That was a form of currency in that time. That, that held great value. And the wise men bring these gifts to Jesus, and they worship Jesus with their gifts. You know, so often, we, we don't like to talk about worshiping Jesus with our gifts. We'll worship him with a little bit of our time. We'll show up to church. Maybe we'll invite one friend or we'll send them a text message, worship him with our actions. But when we start to talk about worshiping with his, our gifts, it begins to get personal. You know, there's a scripture I'm skipping ahead on the tech team. It's found in Matthew 6. Nope, just kidding. It's found in Luke 12:34, And it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And these wise men, they brought treasures to baby Jesus as an act of worship to say, we want to bring this to you. And do you know that their treasures that they brought to Jesus very well could have been the things that made a way for him in the following years of his life? Because Mary and Joseph had to pick him up and take him to Egypt to save his life because Herod was trying to kill him. And so those gifts very well might have been the means that provided for them to go that long travel, to go ahead and to provide for the two years that they were in Egypt. The wise men worshiped with their gifts and it made a way for for Jesus. Are we making room for Jesus? I want to ask you a couple simple questions. Are you making room for Jesus with your time? Matthew 6:33 says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." As we go into 2018, as we go into Christmas, could you be willing to say, "God, what do you want me to do with my time?" As you begin to plan your calendar, as you begin to look at a work schedule and a vacation schedule and all the things to be involved in, could you just say, God, how do you want me to invest my time? Could we make room for Jesus with our time? And then could we make room for Jesus with our action, with our lifestyle? One of my favorite verses is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And it says this, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. Could we take our everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school, hanging out in the neighborhood life, and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to be a reflection of you to the people that I come in contact with? Could we ask God what he wants us to do with that? And then number three, can we worship him with our gifts, with our treasure? Where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. You know, we talk all the time, and I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and join me. We talk all the time about, about the tithe and the offering. You hear this on Sundays and people get uncomfortable and fidgety in their seat. And, and we're just sharing what the Bible says. There's a promise attached to what God asks us to do. And he tells us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is the church. So there will be food in his house. And what that means is so that we can create an environment for people to come and encounter Jesus. Just like the wise men's gifts that day provided a way for Jesus to live the life that God intended him to live. Our gifts and our faithfulness with the tithe and the offering, it creates an environment for people to come and encounter Jesus. Like Pastor Kerry shared, the, the different things we're able to accomplish in our community and around the world because of our willingness to bring our gifts. And maybe you're here and you've been wrestling with the idea of the tithe. And you've just kind of been like, I just, I don't know about that. I want to challenge you. 
In 2018, could you ask God, what do you want me to do with my finances? This is not between me and you. This is you and God. What do you want me to do? On your seats, you'll find a 90-day challenge, and I would challenge you, take the 90-day challenge. Find out a little bit more about what God wants to do in your finances, because this is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. You know, as I prepared this message, God was just dealing with me about making room, about being still. You know, I get so busy. And I get busy with good things, but not always the right thing. My entire life is about Jesus. I'm a pastor. It's what I do. And I don't just do it on the platform. My life, day in and day out, it, it's all about Jesus. But I can get so busy in the things that have to happen and the details that need to be accomplished. I mean, even this morning, our team was kind of running around a little bit flustered because it was so windy and every sign was getting knocked over and blown into the street and flags were hitting people in the head and, you know, cords weren't plugging in correctly and worship practice started late and you could feel the, the chaos and the, the craziness of it, but we're doing something good. We're doing something right. We're setting up church so people can come and worship Jesus. But if we're not careful, we can get caught up in the busyness of it all and not make room for Jesus. You know, there's a story in the Bible about when Jesus was grown and he went to a house of these two women and their names were Mary and Martha. And as he went to their house, Mary came and she sat at Jesus' feet. And she just sat there listening to everything he had to say. And Martha, she was running around, being the hostess with the mostess. I mean, she had a Pinterest plan for this meal that she was going to make for Jesus. The house was decorated. Everything smelled amazing. She was hustling around to get it all done. And she got frustrated at Mary. I would too, I think. Why is she just sitting there? Could you just get up and help me for a minute? So she finally says something because she couldn't keep her mouth shut. She's like, Jesus, Mary is just sitting here. Do you not see all that I am doing? And Jesus says to her, Martha, you are anxious about many things. And she was. She was doing things right. But it wasn't necessarily the right thing. And I don't think that this Christmas, I don't think that 2018 needs to be another year full of anxious hearts, full of busy, hurried lives where we can't accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. I don't think God wants us to live a life with a lack of joy and a, and a fast pace where we can't even pause and be still. Even if we think we're doing things right, we may not be doing the right thing. I just think that in today's message, God wants to lean in close to you and to me and to remind us what it's all about. To remind us to make room, to change our posture, right? Like going in to see a brand new baby. It changes the atmosphere. And to say, God, where do you want me to make room? How do you want me to structure my time? How can I make room with my actions? How can I tell other people about you and what you're doing in my life? How can I make room in my finances and, and do with it what you want me to do? I think we need to ask that question. And I also think we need to remember Isaiah 
It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Could you just all around this room, just like take a deep breath and let it out. Be still and know that I am God. There's something beautiful about slowing down enough to remember who he is. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for to us, to you, 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 to you. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. That means all dominion. Everything that we face in our world today, he's got it covered. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, how often do we not know what to do? How often do we have relationships that are falling apart? Friendships, and we just don't know how to have the hard conversations. And how many times do we not know what job to take or how to do things the way that we need to do them? He is wonderful counselor. He'll help you figure it out. I love this one. Mighty God. Mighty God, that means that God can move mountains on your behalf. That there is nothing that you are facing that is too big for him. That he is a God of the impossibilities. He's already going before you and got things covered. How do I know that? Because the promise that came to you and to me all those years ago was that he would be mighty God. Everlasting Father. In a generation that does not know their dads. A generation where the father figure has been somewhat absent. And we wonder about this God. He is a God who will never leave you. He won't walk out. He will never forsake you. That's what the Bible says. He is everlasting, always present, always involved, our protector. He is everlasting Father. And you know what else He is? He is the Prince of Peace. So the chaos and the anxiety and the fears and the struggles that we walk through on a daily basis, the promise for you and me is this reminder when we are still, when we remember that He is God, we are reminded that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he'll keep us at perfect peace. That's what this is all about. Can I invite you just calmly, quietly and reverently to stand to your feet? We're gonna spend the last moment that we have here together and we're gonna worship Jesus. We're gonna worship him with a simple song that we sung and I love the words. It says, I love you, Lord. I worship you. And I just want to challenge every person in the room today. Could you just take a moment? We'll get you to lunch. We'll, we'll get on with the day's plans. But could we take the last moment that we have here together? And could we just worship Jesus and make some room for him to do what he wants to do in our lives today? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And take a quiet moment right now just to say, Jesus, I, I worship you. 
I'm going to slow down right now and be reminded that you are God, that you are in control, that you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And as we sing these words, let them be the declaration of your heart. Jesus. We'll sing together. I love you.
all those years ago when Mary and Joseph went looking for a place where they would have this baby and they'd bring Jesus into the world. They went knocking on doors. And everywhere they went, they were turned away because there was no room. And everywhere they knocked, the door was closed because there was no room in the end, it was full. And isn't it interesting, the revelation in the New Testament of the Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And it says that anyone who would hear him and would open the door, he'll come in. And the great news is, is that just like the Christmas story shows us, you don't have to get your life together first. Things don't have to be perfect. You don't have to sort things out and then open the door of your life to Jesus. No, it's just saying he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And anyone who would be willing to open that door, to say, you know what, we'll make room. Anyone that would open the door of their heart, it says he will come in. And here's the thing about Jesus. He rearranges the furniture. He changes things. He makes it better than it ever was before. But this is a moment. It's a decision that we make. And if you're here today, I don't believe it's by accident. And maybe you have never experienced a moment where you said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced a moment where you've said, I'll open the door of my life to you. And today is the day to make room. And maybe you did that a long time ago, but you've just been running from God, trying to do things your own way. Maybe you got hurt in the church. I don't know your story. Maybe you've just been burnt. And I'm just here to tell you that today, just like all those years ago, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And anyone who would open that door, he says he'll come in. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment with you. And if you're here and, and you need to make that decision, you need to experience that moment where you say yes to Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so. And I'm gonna ask everyone in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna actually do this just slightly different than I normally do. So if you're in this room, I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud. But if you're here today and, and as I'm talking, you just, you almost feel the knock. It's like you feel this thing in your heart that just is, just like this, I need to make this decision today. I wanna just ask you if that's you and you identify with that, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you and know who I'm praying for? Anybody else? Today is the day I don't want you to walk out these doors without making this decision and taking this moment. If that's you, nobody's looking around, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But if that's you and you need to pray this prayer with me today, would you just slip your hand up and write back down? Awesome, awesome. In your own heart, in your seat, right now where you're standing, would you just pray these pr this prayer with me and let it be the declaration of your heart? Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've tried to do it on my own and I ask for you to forgive me. I know that you sent Jesus to pay the price for all of my sin. And today I make a decision to follow him. And all around this room, if that's you and you're making this declaration today, just let these words be the cry of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.